Hi guys and welcome back to the Atlas Weekly Recap, covering the financial news and events of the last week and also the week ahead as of Monday, July 17th, 2023. In this week's episode, I'll be covering the weaker than expected US CPI report that we received on Wednesday last week, which really allowed global markets to bounce back with enthusiasm last week from their recent lulls. We'll also take a look at the earnings results from US banks JP Morgan and Citigroup for quarter two, 2023. And lastly, I'll talk about the appointment of the new RBA governor from uh, taking effect from September this year as well as some of the changes to the way interest rate decisions will be made from next year. So let's get into it. The key development over the past week was the weaker than expected US CPI result for June, which saw the headline annual rate of inflation in the US drop from 4% to 3% in June. Offering even more relief for investors was the core CPI result. So this is the measure of inflation that excludes food and energy. This came down from 5.3% to 4.8% in the 12 months to June. So these results reduced the risk of further, I guess, aggressive Fed interest rate hikes that could ultimately push the economy into recession. So it was good for share markets. According to the minutes from the last Fed meeting, it still seems like the Fed will hike at its next policy meeting on July 26th, though this data suggests that further rate hikes after the, the next interest rate decision uh, are a lot less certain so that the Fed may, may, need to do, may not need to do as many interest rate hikes into the future. That is provided inflation continues to ease. Friday last week saw the commencement of US earnings season with both JP Morgan Chase Bank and Citigroup reporting their results for the quarter to June 2023. Looking at JP Morgan's results first, they reported a profit of $14.47 billion, or $4.75 per share for the quarter, and this is up 67% from the, the same quarter last year. So this result came in comfortably above analysts' average estimate of a profit of $4 per share. JP Morgan's diversified business model and the acquisition of First Republic Bank back in May has helped the bank produce this solid report for the quarter. You may remember the name First Republic Bank. It was one of those US regional banks that went under during the banking crisis in the US in March. And JP Morgan actually purchased a lot of that bank's assets in a government-backed deal. And this really bolstered the company's net interest income, which effectively just measures the difference between what the bank earns on loans and pays out on deposits. So the bank's net interest income alone was $21.9 billion, up 44% from a year ago. Let's take a look at Citigroup's result. Continued weakness in deal-making really weighed on Citigroup's profit, but the bank's second quarter earnings still came in slightly ahead of analysts' forecasts. Profit at Citigroup fell 36% from the year earlier quarter to $2.9 billion, amounting to earnings of about $1.33 a share. Analysts had expected earnings per share of $1.31 and revenue of $19.3 billion. So the bank reported revenue of $19.4 billion, so slightly beat analyst expectations there. Looking locally now to some of the significant events that took place here in Australia in relation to the Reserve Bank. So on Friday last week, Australia's Treasurer Jim Chalmers announced the appointment of the current Deputy Reserve Bank Governor Michelle Bullock 
to replace Phil Lowe as the first female central bank governor effective from September 2023. Michelle was probably the most logical choice given her long-standing career at the bank of over 30 years and was probably least likely to create panic in, in markets. However, the appointment did come as a surprise to some considering the recent review of the Reserve Bank. Uh, I mean, given the purpose of the re review was to create some systematic change, uh, given Michelle was an incumbent board member in the RBA, some of, I guess, questioned the, the rationale for the, the appointment. Also relevant to the Reserve Bank, on Wednesday last week at a speech in Brisbane, Phil Lowe confirmed that from 2024, there will be only eight policy meetings per year instead of 11. And there's also going to be a mandatory press conference after each monetary policy decision. Details are still yet to be confirmed by the Treasurer, but this is set to be a huge change to the way that the RBA implemented, implemented its monetary policy. Let's take a look at what equity markets did last week. So with the weaker than expected US CPI print on Wednesday, we can see here how how much enthusiasm there, there was back in, in markets last week. So the ASX 200 was up 3.7%. The US's S&P 500 was up 2.42%. The NASDAQ Composite up 3.32%. Euro stocks 50 up 3.86%. The UK's FTSE 100 up 2.45%. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was up 5.71%. And the Australian dollar uh, being a, a risk, I guess a risk on risk sensitive currency was up 2.5% to, uh, I think it neared close to 69 cents. It's sitting just below that at the moment, but yeah, it's up 2.5% over the last week. Looking to the week ahead, key highlights locally here in Australia include the minutes from the RBA's July policy meeting, as well as Thursday's labor market report providing the latest unemployment rate. Insights from both of these will have a key bearing on whether the RBA raises rates next month in August. U.S. earnings season for Q2 also ramps up a little bit with key reports from the likes of Tesla and Netflix reporting this week. Overall, earnings are expected to be down on, on the year, though there is the chance of some upside surprises there. That's all for this week, guys. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Atlas Weekly Recap. Thanks for dialing in.